Scripture says that God our Savior desires all men to be saved and come to the knowledge of the truth. But what is the truth? And how do we gain that knowledge? The answer to these questions and more in today's edition of Faith with Father. Living Bread Radio presents Faith with Father, a program aimed at teaching today's culture the truth about the Catholic faith. And now here's your host, Tim Perry. Hello, and welcome to this edition of Faith with Father. I'm your host, Tim Perry, and with me today in studio is Father Michael Denk, currently the parochial vicar of St. Joseph Parish in Amherst. Welcome, Father. Thank you, Tim. So glad to be here again. It's great to see you again. We're going to continue our discussion from the UCAT, the Youth Catechism of the Catholic Church, and we're talking about sacraments, and in particular, we've been talking about holy orders. Uh, question 255 of the UCAT asks, what happens in diaconal ordination? So diaconal ordination, or, or as you know them, deacons, the deacons at your parish are ordained primarily for service. So, I mean, holy orders is a service order in general, but de- deacons in a special way are more focused on, on, on works of service. So in the diaconal ordination, as the UCAT says, the candidate is appointed to a special service within the sacrament of holy orders. For he represents Christ as the one who came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for the many. In the liturgy of their ordination, we read, as a minister of the word of the altar and of charity, the deacon will make himself a servant to all. So deacons, even more um, so than they're supposed to be prominent in the liturgy, they're supposed to be more prominent in the community, really serving the community and and being servants of the church um, out in the community, but also they're servants at the altar as well. And the deacons, they get paid a bunch of money, too, don't they, Oh, Father? loads, yeah. They get paid nothing. <laughs> but but the, the difference uh, between a deacon and a priest, so a priest is fully dedicated to the church. So the priest gives his life to the church, and, and I mean, we, we literally live out of whatever, you know, the, the parish offers us. Deacons are really, as I mentioned before, supposed to be out in the world, so they work. You know, they have some, oftentimes, sometimes they work at the parish, but oftentimes they have a, a, a legitimate job, you know, that that's where their income comes from. And then within that work and out of that work, they do service and ministry. And of course, a lot of them are married and have families. Right, yeah, most deacons are married and have families. So question 256 asks, who can receive the sacrament of holy orders? Okay, so here is the conditions, ready? A baptized Catholic, so you do need to be baptized Catholic, and a man, you do need to be a man who is called by the church. So the third is, need to be called by the church. So it's not you that decides whether or not you need to be a priest or whatever. It's a calling from the church and uh, to be a deacon, priest, or bishop. And then you need a bishop to validly ordain that minister. So you need to be baptized, uh, Catholic, a, ma- a male. Uh, there needs to be a sense of calling there from the church. And finally, the bishop that will validly ordain you. Well, that leads us into our next question, which is, is it demeaning to women that only men may receive that sacrament of holy orders? So, no, um, it's not, it, no, it's not demeaning to women. And uh, if it's demeaning, it's because we, have, we don't have a good understanding of what holy orders is. And means maybe we don't have a good understanding of what sacrament is, because all sacraments use particular matter in a particular form to make visible the invisible reality of God. So there's something... Uh, unique about why Christ chose a male and uh, chose that to be some kind of representation of God the Father here on earth. So it's not at all demeaning. I'm going to read a little bit from the UCAT here. 
The rule that only men may receive holy orders in, in no way demeans women. In God's sight, and in our, in our church's faith, men and women have the same dignity, but they have different duties and charisms. The church sees herself as bound by the fact that Jesus chose men exclusively to be present at the Last Supper for the institution of the priesthood. John Paul II declared in 1994 that the church has no authority whatsoever to confer a priestly ordination on women and that this judgment is to be de definitively held by all the church's faithful. You know, so the question was asked to our new Holy Father, you know, Pope Francis, will there ever be women, women priests or whatever? And Francis right away deferred back to this. He said, you know, John Paul made it very clear um, that, 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 that it was in a unique way because Christ chose 12 men, a unique way reserved to men. So there's, there's nothing um, diminishing to the women about that. It's just a, it's, it's a unique role and a unique matter that God is taking and using for sacrament. And plus, Jesus was a man, and that will never change. So the fact that you're in persona Christi, it has to be a man who is the priest, who is in persona Christi. Yeah, and that's something that we would do to kind of theologize, well, why? You know, and that, would, that could certainly be a legitimate understanding of that, is that the priest is representing in persona Christi the person of Christ, and Christ was a male. You know, God probably could have sent his only son, or could have sent his only whatever to be a daughter, but for some reason he sent him as, as, as a male, as a son. And uh, that's not to the diminishment of, of woman, but it, there there's some... Um, a matter that's very essential that's not for us to to change it's 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 a part of revelation well it almost be like me being upset that i can't bear children Exa oh, that's a, gr a wonderful parallel tim yeah i'll never be able to bear children yeah, so, so i'm really upset well i mean or... science might try to do that you know and it comes but we have a whole moral <laughs> theology that would tell us that that's not not so mm -hmm. we're, we're not, men weren't we're not made to do that women were so i could be resentful my whole life and say it's against my dignity that i can't have children it's not you know women were created in a very unique way and and in purpose with with their own dignity that is inherent in them as a human being so that dignity can never be taken away and that dignity is not diminished i'm no better a person now because i'm a priest than i was before you know, I, w I was, I'm the, I'm the same person. You know, God's now just using me in, in a role of service to others. Okay, well said, Father. That leads us to our next, next question in 258 in the UCAT asks, why does the church require priests and bishops to live a celibate life? So this is the thing that is a little bit different that on, in, the, in the West, we are required to be celibate. So when I, you know, entered the seminary and, and especially as I took on the, the final steps towards diaconate and then to priesthood, you know, that was made known that celibacy uh, was was a condition required for me to to receive holy orders. And, you know, I, I know that that's something that is kind of a confusion right now in our society, this whole misunderstanding of celibacy. And But um, Jesus himself lived as a celibate. Jesus was a celibate male. He walked this earth as, he never married. He was a celibate person. And in this way, he showed us something unique about his undivided love with the Father. So that's what celibacy is. It's, it's, it's a, another way for me as priest to live in this way that my love is totally dedicated to the Father. Now in the East, priests can marry. You know, but that priest also has to decide that before they're ordained. Before they're ordained, they either have to be married or not married. And once they're ordained, that state of life is permanent. So if they're married as as a celibate they they remain forever as a celibate priest and if they're married 
if they're ordained married, they would remain forever with that one person. This might be a good point to maybe spend a minute and discuss the difference between doctrine and discipline, Mm -hmm. because this is where a lot of people, even within the Catholic community as well as outside the Catholic community, confuse uh, a priest taking a vow of celibacy. That is a discipline that could actually change, and that's why some priests, in fact, can get married, or even some ministers from outside the Catholic Church who are maybe Lutheran or Episcopalian come into the church and they're able to uh, be Yeah, and, you know, and it's scriptural too. And St. Paul says, for those of you that can remain celibate for the kingdom of God. So they're, they're asking him, you know, should we get married? Should we stay celibate? And he said, for those of you that can, he encouraged celibacy for those of us that could. You mm-hmm. know, so it is, it is a, a discipline. It's also a gift. You know, I think the thing that we overlook is, is celibacy is a gift. It's a charism given by God. Now, in the West, we've chosen to call priests out of that charism. So priests that do have that ability or that, that charism to be celibate or even the, the, um, the, the willingness, you know, to, to strive and to live a celibate life. We may not be perfect and, you know, we may fall and certainly we've seen that, but at least the, the understanding is there that it's something that we'll work at. I know from a practical uh, standpoint, uh, Father Joe has said more than once that he in no way could be a good priest if he had a wife and a family. He'd be like two full-time jobs. Oh, yeah. Yeah, and people ask me that all the time in reality. I mean, part of the reason it took me so long to become a priest is I wanted to be married to him. That's what I've always wanted all my life was to be married. And that's, I know, the hardest thing for a lot of guys to finally take that step into priesthood is because we give that life up. You know, so I don't have a, a wife or a family. Now that I'm a priest, I know, I mean, my life, I'm completely poured out in my in, in priesthood. Everything that I do, that is my life. And I would feel completely torn. I would feel like I was always either neglecting my wife or the church, you know, because it is such a, a complete self-offering. And we hear this scripturally, too. You know, so in Matthew... Um, to follow Jesus' way of life and to live in unmarried chastity for the sake of the kingdom of heaven. We're doing it for the sake of the kingdom of heaven. I'm doing this because I believe there's something greater in heaven, something even greater than me being married. There's something greater in heaven for all of us. And, and my, my celibate state right now is a sign of that, a sign of what's to come, you know, where we believe that there will be no marriage. It's, it's not, heaven's not going to be a dividing off in couples. It's all of us united together as one. So celibacy is a sign for that right here on earth. And Jesus tells the Sadducees, I believe it is, that in heaven we're not married. Right, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and, and that's, that's the, the sign value. That's the sacramental value of the celibate priesthood. You know, we're already revealing that invisible mystery of heaven. You know, that we're already living that, that life of celibacy really is a total dedication to God. And now that I am a priest and a celibate, people ask, well, would you get married if you could, you know, if they change the laws or whatever? I don't think, I think I really am called to be celibate because I am so devoted. He is my love. God, you know, God is my, my heart is totally given to him. And I don't know that I could ever divide that. Mm -hmm. So in the UCAT, question 259 asks, how is the universal priesthood of all the faithful different from the ordained priesthood. Okay, so you, we are, you are, we're all called to be priestly people. You know, so especially I think women that are really upset, why can't they be priests? Well, you are. You are. Uh, a, you're, you're called to be priestly. You're called to be holy. You're baptized as priest, prophet, and king. Live that. 
be that. Be the priest in the way that you're called to be. But the difference is holy orders is a, a unique um, a, a unique sacrament that's a taking out of that common call to, to priesthood and, and putting that person and using them as a sacramental. So through baptism, Christ has made us into a kingdom of priests to his Father and God. Through the universal priesthood, every Christian is called to work in the world in God's name and to bring blessing and grace to it. You know, I think that's ultimately the wonderful thing about priesthood. That's why I wanted to be a priest. You know, so we hear in Genesis, God says, I will bless you so that you will be a blessing to all. We're called to be a blessing. And uh, all of us, that's, you know, so if, if you have that desire, that notion in your house, be a, be a blessing to people. You know, that's your, your, your baptized to be that priest, prophet, and king. In the upper room during the Last Supper and when he commissioned the apostles, however, Christ equips some with the sacred authority to serve the faithful, to, to serve the priesthood of all. These ordained priests represent Christ as pastors, pastors, shepherds of his people and as head of the body of the church. So out of this common priesthood, he's pulled some of us aside to serve and to help people really to be priestly people themselves, to be holy and good people. Well, Father, I, for one, want to thank you for making the commitment to serve me and the church and to serve God in the priesthood. Thank well, you. Thank you, Tim. It's glad to hear that. And I'm uh, very grateful and I love being a priest. Yeah. And I, and I love you being a priest. And we, we need more good men like you to make that commitment to serve the church. You've been listening to Father Michael Dank on Faith with Father on Living Bread Radio. This has been Tim Perry reminding you that God loves you more than you can imagine. Bye for now. This has been Faith with Father, a production of Living Bread Radio in Canton, Ohio. For an audio archive of this program, log on to livingbreadradio.com and click on Faith with Father. If you have a question or comment about today's program, email us at askfather at livingbreadradio.com. And join us again next time for another edition of Faith with Father.